the Lord, everybody. Amen. Good to be in the house of the Lord. Welcome to our Friday night marriage session. Amen. I like marriage seminars, marriage sessions, marriage stuff. I don't know. It, 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 it's funny. It's funny. Can I tell you this? There is no cookie cutter marriage. There are no cookie cutter marriage. So we can't fit marriages into the same situation, the same mold. We can't do that because they're, 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 every marriage have its own DNA. Every marriage have its own DNA. So uh, we, we, we get ourselves in trouble when we try to get our marriage to be like the folks next door. Uh, one of the things that I do during marriage premarital counseling is ask the husband is his idea of a great marriage. And when I ask him that, I ask him by himself. I ask the wife, what is her idea of a great marriage? And I ask her that by herself. And then we come together and I let them both say what they consider a good marriage to be. And that's usually interesting. <laughs> so there, there are no cookie cutter marriages. All marriage have a DNA and it's different from every other marriage. So it's never good to compare your marriage with someone else's marriage. Uh, the only thing we are supposed to do concerning our marriage that we all can relate to is implementing the principles of God in our marriage. That we can not do. So we implement the principles of marriage according to the word of God. But as far as how your marriage operates as its own DNA. Let's pray. Father, in the name of Jesus, we're grateful and thankful to be together, to talk, to have discussions, to look into your word, to see what you have to say concerning marriage. Lord, you are the author of marriage, and we look to you, and we ask that you will help us tonight, that you reveal principles to us that we have not considered, that we can implement into our marriages, that, Lord, our marriages could be truly godly, where others can see God in our relationships. And, oh God, that we can be an example to our world, our surroundings around us, Lord God, that we can be that example to let them know it's because of the principles of God, the word of God, why our marriage can be what it is. Help every marriage tonight, Lord God, that will hear the teachings and instruction, instructions of your word. Help every one of us implement what we hear tonight. Give us clarity and understanding so we, oh God, truly can be successful, victorious, happy, enjoying one another, loving one another, and being an example to others in our marriage. We ask your guidance in our meeting tonight. In Jesus' name, amen. All right. So we're going to get started. Uh, we're going to have, uh, we're going to go probably for about 
35 minutes, 35 minutes, and we'll do some teaching in 35 minutes. Then we'll take a break, and you'll have a little snack. Um, that, that break will be about 10 minutes. And after the break, then we can have some discussions, and then we'll finish up um, the rest of the teaching. So that would be kind of how we will make it flow tonight. So for the next 35 minutes, teach a little bit. Then after that, we'll take a 10-minute break. You'll get something to eat. After that, we'll come back. If you have any questions, we'll kind of talk about, about those questions a little bit. Then after that, we'll teach for a little bit again. And then after that, we'll do questions, and then we'll be done. Tomorrow morning, we'll be back at 10 a.m. Amen. Um, we'll, we'll still stream live, hopefully, if we can get everything working. Um, for those of you that can make it back, we want you to come back tomorrow morning at 10 a.m., for those of you who cannot, we'd love for you to join us via live stream. We welcome those that have joined us online, our online congregation that is a part of our marriage seminar tonight. And so we're glad you're with us. Amen. I am going to looking to the, look into the word of God tonight in Ephesians, Ephesians chapter five. And we'll start in verse number 22, Ephesians chapter 5. We'll, we're going to start in verse number 22, and we'll talk a little bit. Amen. This is not preaching. This is just discussion and teaching. Amen. All right. Ephesians chapter 5, verse 22 says this. Wives. Submit yourselves unto your own husbands as unto the Lord. For the husband is the head of the wife, even as Christ is the head of the church. And he is the savior of the body. Therefore, as the church is subject unto Christ, so let the wives be to their own husbands in everything. Husbands, love your wives, even as Christ also loved the church and gave himself for it, that he might sanctify and cleanse it with the washing of water by the word, that he might present it to himself a glorious church not having spot or wrinkle or any such thing, but that it should be, the, should be holy and without blemish. So ought men to love their wives as their own bodies. He that loveth his wife loveth himself. For no man ever yet hate, hated his own flesh. But nourish it and cherish it, even as the Lord, the church. For we are members of his body, of his flesh, and of his bones. For this cause shall a man leave his father and mother, and shall be joined unto his wife. And they too shall be one flesh. This is a great mystery. But I speak concerning Christ and the church. Nevertheless, 
Let every one of you in particular so love his wife, even as himself, and the wife see that she reverence her husband. Somebody say amen. A lot was going on there. It, it kind of talks about how a wife should uh, be with her husband and how a husband should be with his wife. A lot of things going on here. We probably won't get into a whole lot of those things. <laughs> so rest easy, somebody, because I know some of you probably read that and say, Oof, I don't know if I'm doing that. <laughs> Remember, I told you I gave you a challenge last night. I gave you a challenge last night, and I'm going to continue to mention it. Find scriptures in the Bible. Find two or three different scriptures in the Bible that are hard saying. Hard, because you may not be doing it because it's so hard. Challenging hard that the word of God tell you to do that you struggle with doing. Find two or three verses of scripture that will ch that will challenge you to say, am I really doing this? And we gave an example by saying when the scripture talked about somebody smack you on the cheek, turn the other one. Yes. I don't know who read that and said, please. Everybody read that and said, please. But it's in the Bible. Just like, just like, you know, lay hands on the sick and they shall recover is in the Bible. Turn the other cheek is in the Bible. <laughs> it's all good, all of it. So, you know, I think this is a good way to challenge yourself to grow in Christ. Find some of the hard sayings in the Bible. And work on one at a time that you start implementing to your life. Because if you don't, you will find yourself living for God the way you want to and not the way he says. So just pick one out. You know, probably work on it for 30 days. You know, turn the other cheek might not mean literally turn the other cheek. It might just mean, you know what? I'll let them get that. Even though you know you're right. I'll let them get that. Just little stuff like that. All right. Tonight I'm going to talk to you about, I'm going to talk to you on this topic. Mr. Fix-It and Mrs. Improvement. Mr. Fix-It and Mrs. Improvement. That's what I'll talk to you about tonight. We'll work with that for the rest of the night. How about that? Oh, boy, I love this. Whenever you can understand how a man and a woman, with all their differences, I think we forget that men and women are really different. But whenever you can understand how a man and a woman, with all their differences, can become one, you have unearthed a great mystery. Uh huh. Remember, the scripture said that we just read in in Ephesians chapter five, verse thirty one, it says, and they too shall be one flesh. Now, sure, I don't know how you and Daryl become one flesh. That's not possible. But you got to sometimes understand what the Bible is trying to say. So if you can figure out and understand how to become one. 
you have unearthed a great mystery. In the text, Paul was quoting Jesus from Matthew chapter 19 and also Mark chapter 10. Jesus said, for this cause shall a man leave his father and mother and shall be joined unto his wife and they too shall be one. You know what's interesting about that as I'm reading that, D? For this cause shall a man leave his father and mother. Why it didn't say for this cause shall a woman leave her father and mother? I'm telling you, I didn't, I didn't get into all that. That's not what I'm going to talk about tonight. It's just sometimes you're reading the word and just some things just jump out and say, okay, that's interesting. Why didn't it say that? That's for another story another time. But Paul really tells us what he thought about the statement when he get to verse 32. It's a great mystery for two people to become one flesh. It's a great mystery. He, under, he could understand how a man could leave his father and mother and be joined to his wife. But with their differences, how could they become one flesh? And the answer is in the last part of verse 32. It says, but I speak concerning Christ and the church. A man and a woman becomes one the same way Christ and the church becomes one. Uh -huh. A man and a woman becomes one the same way Christ and the church becomes one. What does that mean, preacher? How is Christ and the church one? Christ is the head, the church is the body. Wherever the head go, that's how Christ and the church becomes one. The way how a husband and wife becomes one is the husband is the head and the woman is the body. Isn't it the same thing? We're trying to say how they work. Same thing. And what it means to us is husband, leader, woman, go with the flow of the leadership. Now, we get, especially women and the women in this day and age, that gets a lot uncomfortable. And when that get a lot uncomfortable, you know what that kind of mean? Woman, maybe you shouldn't have got married. Just being honest with you. Or maybe you were supposed to marry somebody else. If you are uncomfortable with that statement that the husband is the head leader of the wife, then maybe you should have never got married. Or maybe you picked the wrong person. And if you picked the wrong person, I can't help you. That's too late. So you're going to have to figure out how to make that work if you pick the wrong person. So that's how they become one. But I'll share some more with you. They are very different, yet they are one in their goal to love and to please the other. So as much as the husband is the head, the leader, both are supposed to please each other. I like to always say this because I know every time I say the husband, the head, 
I don't know. I, I would love for a woman to be honest with me and tell me why they get tensed up like that when you when you talk about the husband, the head, why women get uncomfortable. If they could, they'll twist in the chair whenever you say that. I would love to get some feedback from the woman regarding that. The first thing I'll say is, I already said the whole part about if you're uncomfortable, then maybe the person wasn't the right person, or maybe you wasn't ready to be married. But the other thing I would insert into that woman, you shouldn't be uncomfortable if the man is a man of God. <laughs> Let me just say that. Because just like I've told you before, that I followed my pastor wholeheartedly, not because he's flawless, but because I trust and obey God. I followed my pastor, not because he's flawless, not because he had everything together, not because he knew the Bible back and forth, not because he a great preacher, but because the word of God command me to follow them that have the rule over me. So I did it. And I was confident, not because the man of God had all the answers, but I was confident in the God that he was following. And so when you are a woman and you have a husband, and the scripture teaches the husband is the leader, and you have a husband that's a leader, then you Follow him, not because he's the best leader, but because of the God that he's following. That makes sense. You got to trust God. It's not in him, not in his ability. It's you trusting God. And so when you get that mindset that I trust God, then it's a whole lot easier to follow that man. Thank you, sir. It's a whole lot easier to follow that man than if he wasn't following God. Him following God doesn't mean he's going to be mistake free and he's going to be flawless. But it just means he is going to always find his way because he's got God in his life. All right. But until... We understand, remember, the point I'm trying to get at here is that uh, the, the man and the woman are very different, but they're supposed to do their very best to please one another. They're supposed to do their very best to please one another. Until you understand that there are very differences or vast differences between a man and a woman, you will never be able to accomplish that goal. Huh. So here is what I've discovered. The two become one, right? And what that really means is one in direction, one in goal. Now that's a big one. The two becoming one, it just means one in direction, one in their goal. Christ and the church, one in direction, one in their goal. Husband, wife, one in direction, one in their goal. Because that's what 
The scripture used to give us understanding of a marriage is Christ and the church. And so in a marriage with a man and a woman, it's supposed to be, they're supposed to be one in the goal and one in the direction that they're going in. And I believe that's probably a simple but a profound answer to a lot of issues that a marriage will have. Because we neglect, we don't allow God to have the preeminence and everything come after in our life. That's unfortunately majority of Christians don't live their life by saying God has the preeminence and everything else come after. And because that's not how we have set the order in our life, we have a hard time being one. Because when God has the preeminence, then it's easy to know what the goal is and what the direction is. But when God is not the preeminent one in your marriage, then husband is doing what he thinks is supposed to be done and wife is doing what she thinks is supposed to be done. And guess what? They're not one. So now we got a whole lot of problems. And that's where majority of problems are. Because you have a couple that's doing things differently. And sooner or later, it's going to come to a head and there's going to be issues. And one's going to hold to his position and the other hold to her position because I feel like my way is the right way. And so that becomes an issue. So the question is, already homework. You probably want to go home and talk about what is our goal and how do we go in the direction of accomplishing our goal. That's the first homework assignment because that's going to help your marriage. Because if you continue the way you're going, you're going to be going in different ways, which means you're not one, you're separated, and it's just so much of a challenge. Always fussy. Always I'm not speaking today. Always attitude. All because you're doing, you're both supposed to be one, but you're separate because you're doing separate things. And the only way you become one is when God has the preeminence. Woman, remember. If we go back in the Bible, you came on the scene after the man had a direction and a goal. Just saying. God already told Adam what the goal was and the direction. Adam, dress this garden. Take care of it. Make sure it's good. He knew what the goal was. He knew how he'd go about day and night just making sure the garden was fine. So when she came on the scene, all he had to do was say, honey, here's how we do it. I get up in the morning, and these are the routes that I take going around the garden. Here are the trees that you touch. Here's the tree you don't touch. And he's laying it out. They've got a, he's got a goal and direction. And here she comes, and he's teaching her 
the goal and the direction. And what do you know? They're rolling on for a while. And then before you know it, something went wrong. But the point is, when she came on the scene, goal and direction that God had given the man. So, men, you're supposed to make sure you have a goal and direction in life. Because Mrs. Improvement will try to improve upon everything. And so if you don't have something that you're doing, you're going to feel like Miss Improvement, Mrs. Improvement is trying to improve things that you don't approve of. And when she look around and, and, and you're not doing anything, in her mind, I need to do something. So God knows what he's doing when he says, man is the head. They're supposed to have one goal. One in direction, and as they go forward doing what they do, they'll be fine. Because the woman would have instructions and understanding because they have talked about it. They talked it out. Here's what we need to be doing. And, And listen, I am not even telling you that the husband by himself make the goal. I'm not even telling you that. But what I am saying is both supposed to sit down and talk about the goal and the direction. That's very important. And once that's set, somebody like me that worked, I I, I like to think about that because of my job. So (laughs) my job started coming in my mind. But here's what I'm, I'm saying. Once you know the goal and the direction, whatever gets discussed, the two of you, all you got to do, each of you would always have to say, does, is that the direction? Does that keep us on the same wavelength to get us to our goal? Both will have the opportunity to always pose that question. Is this the right direction? Does that point directly to our goal that we had discussed? Or you're deviating now. You you see how it works? It's no different than if two people are living for God and they're disagreeing on something. And they can't seem to come to a good answer, a good place. The next thing is, okay, let's see what the word of God says. And that's supposed to straighten it out. I wonder how many, how many marriages, you don't have to put your hand up. I wonder how many marriages does that where there's disagreement and you can't get agreement. And then you stop and say, okay, well, let's go to the scriptures and see what that says. And whatever that says, that settles it. That makes sense because guess what? When people can't agree in the world on something, what do they do? Litigation, court. That's what they do to settle it. So it, 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 it's following the right principle. We're just not going to let worldly people settle our stuff. We go to the one that knows everything. So when two people that are Christians are in a marriage and there are situations where they can't seem to get along, the best way to handle it is to say, okay, let's see what the word of God says. And we go from there. All right. Sometime or some things that does not get discussed enough is what is the goal? 
of the two people who become one flesh. And as I mentioned, many marriages struggle because sometimes both people don't know the goal. Sometimes one have the goal, but never shared the goal with the other one. So the two never became one. So if you want to be one, as Christ said we're supposed to be, there must be a goal. And so the direction must be we flowing toward the goal. Mr. Fix-It and Mrs. Improvement. What is a woman's biggest complaint about a man? The most frequently expressed complaint women have about men is that men don't listen. Come on, you can lighten up. Either we completely ignore her when she speaks to us or we listen for a few seconds, assess what's bothering her, and then proudly put our Mr. Fix-It cap on and offer her a solution to make her feel better. It's the way it works. And then we're confused when she doesn't appreciate this thoughtful gesture of love. So Mr. Fix-It think, when I offer you the opportunity to fix the situation, you need to take it because I'm Mr. Fix-It. But when she don't take it, Mr. Fix-It get upset because he's like, you come complain about something, I'm going to fix it for you, but then you don't want me to fix it. No matter how many times she tell us that we're not listening, we don't get it, and we keep doing the same thing. She wants somebody to listen, but we think she wants somebody to give her a solution. So a woman, many times, boy, I'm learning that with my daughter. Whew. Many times they just want to talk. They don't need nobody to fix any problems. They don't want you to give them any advice. They just want to talk. And you just have to act like you're interested. They know when you act like when you're playing the game, so you just have to really act like you're interested and be sharp enough to ask a real relevant question. And then they know you're listening. What is a man's biggest complaint about a woman? You ready for this one? The most frequently expressed complaint men have about women is the woman is always trying to change me. <laughs> That's what men always feel, women. All of your improvement advice make him feel like, why are you trying to change me? So you're, you're trying to change him and in his mind, and in your mind, he's always trying to fix stuff. There's nothing wrong with me. Why is he always trying to fix me? <laughs> When a woman loves a man, she feels like it's her responsibility to assist him in growing, and she tries to help him improve the way he does things. That makes sense. That's what Eve was trying to do with Adam. And this becomes her mission and her focus. No matter how much he resists her help, she persists, waiting for every opportunity to help him or tell him what to do. 
She thinks that she's nurturing him, but he thinks he is being controlled. (laughs) Y'all listen to me. Instead of improving, men want acceptance. Instead of improvement, men want acceptance. And most problems stem from these two issues. He doesn't listen. She's always telling me what to do. (laughs) And these two issues can be resolved by first understanding why men offer solutions and why women seek to improve. So let's look at Mr. Fix-It and Mrs. Improvement. First, Mr. Fix-It. Men value achievement. Listen to me good, ladies. This is good for you. Men value achievement. That's a value to them. When they can achieve something, that's a value to them. They are always doing things to achieve and be better. So when they do something and achieve something, it makes them feel better, like they belong. Their sense of success is in their ability to achieve results. That's so true. Men experience fulfillment primarily through success and achievement using their skills and ability. Even a man's clothing is designed to reflect his skills. What do you mean by that? Police officers, firemen, soldiers, businessmen, scientists, cab drivers, technicians, chefs. Even their clothing is designed to reflect their skills because men value that. All wear uniforms or at least hats to reflect their skills. Men like for you to know what they can do. Men like for you to know what they can do. Here are some magazines that men usually don't read. Men don't read psychology today. Men don't read the magazine self. They really don't read people's magazines. Men are interested in the news, weather, and sports, and couldn't care less about romance novels and self-help books. But they got YouTube anyway. And Google. Most men are more interested in objects and things rather than people and feelings. Here's an example. Let's say a married couple is driving down the road and everything is quiet and the man and the woman are in, the, in, in very deep thought. 
Here is what the thoughts of the woman look like. They're both driving down the road. Nice BMW SUV, Cheryl, cruising. Nice low music in the background. Seats nice and reclined comfortably. You're just driving down the road. Here's what she's thinking. I wonder if he really loves me. Here's what she's thinking. When was the last time the kids had their dental checkup? I hope that she called. I hope that Susie called me today. She's thinking about her friend Susie. I have some more things I need to tell her. Here's some more thinking of that woman. He isn't going to apologize for what he did yesterday. That's probably why he's so quiet over there. Because he know he did wrong yesterday and he still haven't apologized yet. That's what she's thinking over in the passenger seat. Dude that's driving, he's thinking like this. I can't wait to watch the Cowboys and the Eagles game. He's thinking, man, how much overtime I need to work so I can buy this new motorcycle. He's thinking while he's driving, wow, look at that Tesla. He's thinking, I need that new Traeger grill. He's thinking, I need to do something with my lawn so it can be better than Tom's lawn. He got his nice and shaped up. I got to do mine better than that. He's thinking, I have no clue why she's being so quiet over there. What's up with her? You see the difference in thinking? Different thinking. So we got to understand that Mrs. Improvement is thinking about improving stuff. Mr. Fix-It is thinking about stuff he can buy and fix. And you can see that both of them are on separate pages in their thoughts, yet each expect the other to understand what they need. She's waiting for him to apologize, and he doesn't even know that he did anything wrong to apologize for. Men are preoccupied with the things that can be, with the things that can help them express power by creating results and achieving their goals. So men are preoccupied with things and the things got to be able to express their power. Got to help them create their goals. So my lawn looking better than Tom's lawn make me feel good. Mm -hmm. My house bigger than the other neighbor house make me feel, this is the man, not the woman. Make me feel good. You want the record to show that you're achieving stuff, man. Achieving goals is very important to men because it's a way for him to feel good about himself. And so men are always trying to achieve things to feel good about themselves. You want to find a man that's depressed? 
is a man that is not achieving a lot of things. Remember I told you as I'm getting a little bit older that I picked up on it takes courage to get old. I don't get a lot of amens when I say that, but I know what I'm talking about. Because you start to feel things in your body and see your body perform less than how it used to perform. It's the first thing. The second thing is, which is the big one, is you start to really get depressed a little bit because you're not achieving like you used to achieve. And so now you're feeling irrelevant because what made you felt relevant was how you used to achieve. When you get a man in that place where he doesn't feel like he's achieving anything anymore and then he's getting older and he can't be physically strong like he used to, you are looking at a dangerous fella because he doesn't like that position. He doesn't like that position. Someone else cannot achieve the things that the man want to achieve. He, can't, he doesn't want somebody to achieve it for him. He needs to achieve it for himself. Men pride themselves in doing things by themselves. They pride themselves on that. They only call somebody in when they have to. But if they can do it themselves, they want to do it themselves so they can strut. Even if you don't pick up on that they're strutting, they're strutting. That's why before you see a plumber in the house, you see the husband under the sink with a wrench. Now, that ain't me. I ain't going to lie to you. Soon as something go wrong, I'm trying to figure out what's the best price. Who's the best person and what's the price? My wife don't like when I say this, but I say it anyhow. When I was going into the marriage, my eyes wide open. I said, I'm not a handyman. Feel these hands. I just don't work hard. This has just never been my thing. But I'm going to try to work as hard as I can and provide what we need. So if things need to get fixed, I'll get the right person to fix it. But you won't see me under the sink. You won't see me, you know, under the hood of the car. You won't see me mixing up cement, concrete. You won't see none of that for me. You won't see me digging holes. Nope, nope, nope. I'm finding the best guy. And I'm going to figure out how to pay the best guy to get it done. It's just me. Everybody different. Remember I told you when I started out, every marriage have its own DNA. That's me. Yes, yes, yes. I'm okay. I tell my wife this all the time. I know she don't want it, but I tell her I'm okay with getting someone to come in my house two days a week and clean up. Make sure everything good. I'll pay for that. Those are things that I already had in my mind. That when you get married, you do these things, you know, to make sure, Mr. Fix-It, make sure you take off some of the, the, the weight off your wife, bring somebody in to do some cleaning two days out of the week and straighten up some stuff and, you know, keep things tight. I'm okay with that. If I got to work a little part-time to make sure that's done, I'm doing that. Because I just believe it's important to make sure you take some of the weight off your wife. But since I can't do a whole lot of stuff, I'm going to hire somebody. If we can accomplish something by ourselves, men, we feel it's a sign of power and ability and achievement. Understanding this characteristic about a man can help women understand 
why men resist so much being corrected or being told what to do. Now you understand when you tell a man what to do, it can get real cold quickly. Because what the man like to do is figure out stuff, get it done, achieve stuff. And when you got to always come tell him you need to be doing, you need to be doing, you need to be doing. Because all you're thinking is, I'm just trying to improve the situation. I'm just trying to help him to be better. And he's thinking like, I got this. See why there's struggles? To offer a man unsolicited, unsolicited advice is like telling him that he doesn't know what he's doing and can't do it on his own, even if he can. So, ladies, be careful when you go to your, your, your husband and say, why you don't just do it this way or why you don't do that? You don't understand. You might have one that's just, you know, even keel and don't talk a lot. But the bottom line is, I'm telling you right now, it's burning him up. When you come over to tell him what he need to be doing, burning him up. So if you keep doing that, you just want to have a little fire burning in the marriage and not the good fire. Because the man don't want you to come telling him how to be better at being a man. He doesn't like that. So however you handle that lady, be real sharp at it. Be real sharp at it. I always say the best time to tell a man anything, because I learned this a long time ago. The best time to tell a man anything is at pillow talk, talk. Don't try to tell him no other time. Tell him at pillow talk time. Because he right at the point of feeling a sense of accomplishment. At pillow talk. So pillow talk, you can be nice to him and tell him what he should be doing because he feel like, okay, I'm in a good place. But don't be trying to tell him outside of pillow talk. So you know what that means? You got to do st something for there to be pillow talk. I hope you all know what pillow talk is. Pillow talk is not before you go to your bed. So don't even try it. Pillow talk is not before you go to your bed. Pillow talk is after... He has accomplished what he was supposed to accomplish that you wanted him to accomplish. That's that's after that is pillow talk because now everybody relax. Now you have the pillow talk. Now you can tell him, you know, I was thinking that maybe, you know, you can get some of your friends over or probably, you know, hire somebody to do the fence. It, it will go over a whole lot better at that time. Don't wait till the morning. Pillow talk. Try pillow talking. Pillow talk work. Men are very touchy about this because the issue of ability is so very important to them. That's Mr. Fix-It. Let me talk to you real quick about Mrs. Improvement, and then we'll eat. Mrs. Improvement has different values. She values love, communication, 
beauty of things and relationships. She believes in helping and nurturing another. In fact, she has built or it's built into her to be a nurturer. Unlike a man who defines himself by ability and achievement, a woman defines herself through feelings and the quality of her relationship. You hear that, man? Quality of relationship. While I'm saying that, I'm back to the goal thing. Maybe I was supposed to just talk about the goal thing tonight. We really have to do a better job defining our goals as husband and wife becoming one. That, that's so big. I don't know if you understand how big that is. Because when you can define that, then we should be in a good place of what will make us happy together. Because both of us are saying what we want to accomplish. Both of us are saying, here is where we're going. And when you know that, you can support one another and be able to make each other feel good in the process. Because you know, but once you're doing what you want and he's doing what he wants, man, everything that I'm telling you is kind of out of out the window because you're not one. But when you're one, because you're both going in the same direction, and heading for the same goal, and that's different. To a woman, relationships are more important than work. Maybe not every woman, because Martha didn't think so. They don't enjoy wearing uniforms like men, because that would mean the same outfit every day. They enjoy wearing a different outfit every day, according to how they are feeling. Personal expression, especially of their feeling, is very important to the woman. They may even change outfits several times a day, depending on the mood. Communication is of primary importance. To a woman, sharing their personal feelings is much more important than achieving goals and success. Let me say that again, men. To a woman, sharing her personal feelings is much more important than achieving goals and success. Talking and relating to one another is a source of tremendous fulfillment to a woman. And this is very hard for a man to comprehend. To a woman, a sign of great love is offering assistance to someone without being asked. So a woman like when a man will offer to do something to help without she even ask. That's big to her. That means, okay, 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 you see me. To a woman needing assistance is not a sign of weakness. But to refuse assistance when you need it is a sign of weakness. Men, when you offer them assistance, they don't like to take it. Women see it differently. That's why a man may feel offended when a woman offers advice because he feels that she doesn't trust his ability to do it himself. 
A woman cannot understand that a man would be so sensitive about that because when a woman offers assistance, assistance, they feel it's the greatest act of love when you offer assistance to a woman without her even asking you. But when you do what you think you like to do, women, to the man, he takes it a whole different way. And so you're you're offering assistance to him because you love him and you're just trying to be kind. And that's what you like. And here he is getting an attitude. (laughs) But offering help to a man can make him feel weak and even unloved. To a woman, it's a sign of caring to give advice and give suggestions. When they care about someone, they freely point out what can be improved and suggest how it should be done. It's an act of love. But to Mr. Fix-It, if it's something or if something is working, their motto is don't change it. So for a man, if it's working, don't tell me nothing about it. You know, a woman can be like, I think I want a new washing machine. And the man look and say, did I miss something? Is this not working anymore? Plug it in, let me see. So a man is like, if it's not broken, don't fix it, leave it alone. A woman is looking at it like, we need to improve upon this. This is old now. And so Mr. Fix-It thinks a little bit different than Mrs. Improvement. I'll stop there and take a break. And you can stop in the kitchen. Sister Jackson will give you something to snack on. For those of you that are home, you can um, take 10 minutes, make some oodles and noodles. Because that's, that's the only thing you can cook in 10 minutes. Or warm some food up. Or, you know, whatever it is. But don't go anywhere. Ten minutes, we're all going to chill for ten minutes, then we'll get back. Thank you. Is it? 
We need you to sing this song with us. Listen up, listen up. Out of creation, there at the start, before the beginning of time. With no point of reference, spoke to the dark and fleshed out the wonder of life. And as you speak, a hundred billion galaxies are born. And the vapor of your breath, the planet is born. 
All right. Let's get going again. You can keep on munching if you're munching. But let's keep this thing moving so we are out of here at a decent hour. All right, Mr. Fix-It and Mrs. Improvement. After driving around the same block three times, she says, what's the big deal? Just stop and ask somebody for help. But that's telling the man you don't have faith that he can find where y'all are going. So when a woman tell a man, just just pull over and go ask in his mind. So you don't think I can find our find my way? You don't think I can get us to where we need to get to? That's how the man is processing. And the woman thinks that by getting help, that's just that's a good thing. Mm-hmm. From her point of view, she's saying, I care about you and I'm offering my help to get us there. By telling you, go ask for help. From his point of view, she's lost all confidence in his ability. It was very important for him to accomplish his goal by himself. For a man, it's very important to prove that they can get to their goal, even if it's a small thing like driving somewhere. A man always want to feel like, He can accomplish his goal because that's how he was made. And so when a woman interferes with that, she doesn't realize what she's doing is making the man feel like he's less than what he should be. And she's getting in the way of him accomplishing his goal. Men need to understand that women talk about problems to get close or to unload burdens, not to get solutions. So men are always worrying about accomplishment, achievements, and fixing stuff and giving solution. And women, when you get in the way of trying to tell him something good in his mind, you're trying to get in the way. All right. Let me give you a good example that really is good. Here's an example. Susie come home from an exhausting day. She wants and needs to share her feelings about the day. She says, there is so much to do. I don't have any time to myself. He says, you should quit that job. You don't have to work so hard. Find something else to do. She says, but I like my job. They just expect me to change everything at a moment's notice. He says, Don't listen to them. Just do what you can. She says, I can't believe I completely forgot to call my aunt today. He says, don't worry about it. She will understand. She says, do you know what she's going through? She needs me. He says, you worry too much. That's why you're so unhappy. 
She says, I'm not unhappy. You're not listening to me. He responds, I am listening to you. She concludes, why bother? After that conversation, Susie is more frustrated than when she arrived at home only looking for understanding and companionship. And Tom was frustrated and had no idea what just went wrong because he thought he had solved every one of the problems she mentioned. If Tom had only understood that all Susie wanted was someone to listen without offering solution, none of this would happen. So what was Tom supposed to do? He was supposed to just listen and show that he cared how his wife felt. So check this out. Let's look at the situation again, except Tom is going to listen. <laughs> Susie says, there is so much to do. I have no time for myself. Tom now says, honey, it sounds like you had a hard day. Susie says, they expect me to change everything at a moment's notice. I don't know what to do. Tom pauses and say, hmm. Susie says, I even forgot to call my aunt. Tom says, oh, no. Susie says, she needs me so much right now. I feel so bad. Tom says, she's lucky to have a caring niece like you. Men, the art of dealing with your spouse many times is just listen and say stuff without saying stuff. <laughs> Got to hit my sports reference real quick. Brother D. Uh, people that covered the sport of baseball for many years, Derek Jeter was a great baseball player for the Yankees. And the people that covered him, you know, to interview him when the game was over and, you know, just talk to him. Always made this statement. Derek is one of the most polite athletes they've ever interviewed. However, if you ever interview Derek Jeter, when you're done interviewing him and you reel the tape back and listen to the interview, Derek said a whole lot without saying anything. That's why he was able to last in New York for so long, because he knew how to talk without telling you anything. But he always said something. I think we all can learn that kind of trick from Derek Jeter, man, is when the women are talking a lot of times. You're Mr. Fix it. So you will always have a solution. You don't always have to give them a solution. Just give them the hmm and just say things that just they don't have to do anything. They don't have to respond too much to it. Just, just, just respond by, hmm, respond by, oh, no. But don't get into start telling them what to do because then they think you're trying to fix their situation and they probably wasn't looking for you to fix their situation. A man tries to change a woman's feelings 
when she's upset by becoming Mr. Fix-It and offering solutions to her problems that ignore her feelings. A woman tries to change a man's behavior when he makes mistakes by becoming Mrs. Improvement and offering unsolicited advice or criticism. Listen, it's not always wrong to offer improvement. It's not always wrong to fix it. The key is timing and how to approach these things. So it brings me to this last final thing that I will talk about. Some of you have read the book, The Five Love Languages, but some of you haven't. I haven't read through the whole book, but I've glanced over it. And I just thought it was uh, pretty good for what I glanced over. And one of the things that the book mentioned is that all of us cry for love. So you can say whatever you want to say. You can act however you want to act. But our creator designed us to want to be loved. And so in whatever way you express that, whether it's denial, whether it's staying quiet about it, whatever way you express it, whether it's just upfront telling someone you don't love me and you don't show like you, whatever way you express that, the bottom line is you want to be loved because God designed you that way and that can never be changed. So we all cry out for love. But the key is understanding your spouse's love language and speak that language or languages to your spouse is what's important. So Mr. Fix-It and Mrs. Improvement must learn the love language of each other to help strengthen their relationship. You have your goal, you're going in one direction, but you got to love each other in the way you need to show love to each other. And that's where a lot of people can really improve is showing each other the love that we should. So the five love languages are words of affirmation, quality time, receiving gifts, acts of service, and physical touch. The five love language, words of affirmation, quality time, Receiving gifts, acts of service, and physical touch. We have to, you can probably, you know, if you don't want to figure it out, maybe it, it's something that you need to just ask your spouse. What are your love languages? Out of these five love languages, I'll say them, say them again. Words of affirmation, quality time, receiving gifts, acts of service, physical touch. What are your love language or love languages? That's what you should ask your spouse. I'll tell you this. Men, probably 100% of us, wants words of affirmation, as I just told you about Mr. Fix-It. He wants, so when he fix it, when he achieves something, 
he needs words of affirmation. So, lady, there's a tip. Your husband, one of his love language will be words of affirmation. You need to affirm him and let him know that he did great. Quality time, probably most often, will be a woman. So woman love language definitely will include quality time. So Mr. Fix-It, as you like to achieve things and fix things, sometimes you got to spend quality time. And quality time just means you sit there and give her your undivided attention. You're not on your phone. You're not um, watching the TV, but you got to do what I do sometimes when my wife make me sit right here and you just sit right there. She kind of watching some bogus program, but you just sit right there because that's her quality time with you. She just want you to not be doing anything else but what she wants you to do that's quality time so most women are going to have in their love language quality time receiving gifts i got to be honest with you that's not one of my love languages and i don't think it's a lot of men love languages why because mr fix it mr achievement it's built in for him to go get what he wants. Now, every once in a while, he's going, like I heard about a couple yesterday. He was going, but he wanted her to come. Doesn't change the fact that he knew what he wanted, because that's what Mr. Fix-It always kind of know what he wants. And so he goes after it. He might want her to come, like the couple yesterday, but he might want to go by himself. So for the most part, the love language of receiving gift will probably end up on the female side. Quality time, brothers. Giving gifts. Good things. Those are good love languages. Acts of service. Acts of service. I believe. That's a challenging one for both parties. Because here's the truth. Mr. Fix-It likes to just go do his thing. Mrs. Improvement likes to give acts of service. Mr. Fix-It only wants acts of service when it works into... Feed me my food. You know? Just the stuff that's out of necessity. Mr. Fix-It, that's the act of service that he's okay with. But she will go above and beyond in acts of service. But lady, here's what I'm trying to tell you. Most men, acts of service is not it. 
What's the next one? What's the fifth one? There you go, Cheryl. Cheryl remembered. He will take physical touch all day over acts of service. All day, every day. So when you think about if you have to make a decision between acts of service and physical touch, physical touch. Because the acts of service that he only pays attention to is just feeding him and doing the necessity for him. But 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 thinking that you planning something nice that he should like. It's not impressive to him. As a matter of fact, if we go back to gifts, the only gifts he wants is the gift of you. So instead of you getting him something real nice or whatever, give him you. And if you want to wrap you up in something real nice, give him you. But don't go getting him some other stuff because I feel sorry for my wife. I just, I, you know, and probably she get it um, right now because um, I, I pay a lot of money for stuff that I like. And don't let anybody fool you and tell you everybody in this world spend money on something. We all just choose what that something is. So I don't even pay people no money. They say, man, you pay all that money for that? You spend a lot of money on something. And you might be buying small quantities of it, but the bottom line is you got a lot of it. And that add up to the big money too. But the bottom line is, don't even worry about getting a man anything because usually it's going to make you spend a lot of money and he do a better job getting what he likes but when you give him i said what he likes is the josephine see you go mrs improvement just being mrs improvement she shook her head no he does because what she's trying to tell me he doesn't know what to no he knows what he wants here's what mrs improvement do he should so she go do what he should be doing because she want to improve him. So he might not like to wear certain kind of clothes, but she think he should wear that kind of clothes. So she run to go buy the kind of clothes she want to see him in. And thinking, why he never buy these clothes? Because what he care about are cars and trucks. And he can wear the same jeans or whatever and just chill sometimes and just don't care. But guess what? His truck engine something else so always remember that don't go try to give him what you think he should have give him what makes him happy same thing with the woman don't go giving her what you think she should have give her what makes her happy my wife tried to trap me the other day I was in the Louis Vuitton store and I took a picture of a couple of pocketbooks and I sent them to her. What do you think? Um, did that one have zipper in the middle? I said, yeah, because I know you like zipper in the middle. And we going back and forth. And, you know, then at the end of it, she said, well, why didn't you buy one? I said, because I am not spending no money on Louis Vuitton. And all I'm going to get is, okay, it was nice. I'm not crazy. Until you get all crazy about, oh, I saw the best pocketbook. That's when I want to buy it. If I never get that, I'm not buying it. 
because I understand a principle. Don't give people what you think they should have. Give them what they really want. I learned that principle, so I'm not getting off it. And it might be backfiring on her right now, but it's a good principle. So the day she find the one that make her say, oh, this is to die for. Then I'll get it. I'll no problem getting it then. Because then I'll feel like, ready for it? I'll feel like I achieved something. You see, you see, you see how we're wired? If I just go get her something because it's just... I I didn't achieve anything, and I'm trying to achieve something. That's how I'm wired, something built, not hiding from that. I'm trying to achieve something. So when I do something for her, I hope it's something that says I achieve something. Yes, yes, yes. So we have to learn each other's love language. Mm Mm-hmm. And when we learn each other's love language or love languages, we will begin to see how we're doing better. Our relationship get better. We, we can't live with each other, married to each other, going around saying what this one should. You should be appreciative of this. You should be appreciative of that. No, what do they like? do what they like, and vice versa. So that way, we're taking care of one another's desire. The Bible says, God says, it was not good that man should be alone. So God put them together so they can take care of each other's desire, physical desire. So why are we hiding from that? Just take care of each other's desire. All right. We have any questions tonight? Y'all can sit there all you want. I know somebody gonna ask a question. Somebody gonna say something. Somebody's got a question in their mind that they need to just say it. This is what we do at marriage meetings. You don't have you don't have to say it's you, but you can tell me you know what's <laughs> you can say, I know of a situation. <laughs> I think by now <laughs> I think by now people are still using that. You know, I know this couple. Okay, go ahead. <laughs> this couple, right? Okay. I think that's gone. So we just live in a day and age where you might just come straight out. All right, so here's what I'm thinking. So Joe and Barbara, if you all have any questions, send a question. And I'll give you the answer to it, Joe and Barbara. And whoever's in here, I'm going to take my time. You, you all just ate. You got a little bit of uh, energy in you. A little bit of energy in you to ask questions. Okay, acts of service. Hold on. All right, the question starts. Sister Monroe, give me a second. Let me answer Brother D. Brother D says, give us some more uh, uh, example of acts of service. Acts of service. So here is what I would suggest, because I have this written down. More homework. Remember the first homework. Sit down and talk about goals. What are your goals? And how you want to accomplish it. Write those two things down. That keeps you or that makes you one now. Because you're both working the same direction. Here is acts of service. Acts of service. The best way to handle that. You sit down together again. 
and you give your spouse 10 things you really like that pertains to acts of service and vice versa. And then you take turns. This month, I'm going to try to fulfill all your acts of services. Then after this done, the next month, you try to fulfill the other person's acts of services. So acts of service is usually up to the person. So don't don't even try to figure it out. I guess is what I'm saying, Daryl. Don't even try to figure it out. Just ask her what kind of acts of service you would like for me to do. And you write them down. And then same thing, um, Cheryl, you ask him what kind of acts of service you would like for me to do, Daryl. And it's written down. So now you know what to do to make each other happy in the service that you give to each other. Sister Monroe. All right, first of all, I'm going to def- I'm going to defend that person. Okay, repeat the question from online. What if you notice as the person get older, they get cheaper? And so let me defend that person real quick, even though that person probably can't defend himself right now. But I'm going to defend him right now. When you get older, a lot of things stop mattering. When you get older, I mean, I'm living it today. Like the things that I see now and it means something to me is so different than the things that used to mean something to me. And so you're probably not focused on a whole bunch of things anymore. You're only focused on a couple of things. So it's easy to find yourself saying, man, I'm not paying any money for that. Man, I'm not buying that. Because it's like it's not even important anymore. So you're, you don't care. That's what happens when you get older. You're like, that, that doesn't matter. Right? And, and just think about it. This is interesting in life, Sharon. It's interesting for the most part. I'm not saying for everybody. But for the most part, when you get older, usually you start to see more of a financial flow in your life where you feel like you can afford things that before you couldn't afford. So when you're young and energetic and, man, you want to do a whole lot of stuff, it seems like you never usually have enough money to do that. Because you got to be doing this and doing that and doing this and doing that, taking care of the kids, doing all. And so now you, you, you just didn't have the, 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 the money that you hoped you would have had to get everything you wanted. And then you get older and you feel like you have a little bit more money. And I don't know if it's a whole lot more, but what it comes down to is you're not buying so many different things anymore. You, your, your spending has shrunk to just specific things. Can I even tell you this? I probably, I keep telling myself something different, but if I, if I live in reality, I probably will never drive another brand car that I'm driving. You know why? One of the reasons what they do with certain cars is they build them the same way even when they upgrade them, make them newer. They're the same way. So you know like how we never want to change? Mr. Fix-It, if it's, if it's not broke, don't fix it. When you get older, that really becomes the case. If it ain't broke, don't fix it. So the car that I drive, I know everything about it. 
And no matter how much they upgrade, I know everything about it. I don't want to change that. Because it's just what I'm used to. So I'm just like, yeah, I think, uh, I just think this, it just, it makes it easier. When I get in, I know everything. As a matter of fact, it's so bad. I remember a couple years ago, my wife and I went on vacation and we rented a car and I asked them, you know, can you give me the same brand car like I drive back at home? Because I don't like to drive new roads and then drive a new car that I don't understand all the buttons. See? So I wasn't asking for any other reason, and they were able to give it to me and never charge me anything extra. But my point was, I was just so used to that brand car, know where everything is. At least let me be familiar with something when I'm driving new roads. So as we get older, we just start clinging to the things that we know and the things that are important and the, things, the other things that are not, we just, I can care less. And that's why we might seem like we're being cheaper. What else do you have, dear Sister Sharon? I'll take another one from you. Nurse Sharon. You good? Anyone else? How about the young people? The the new the newlyweds. Anything newlyweds? Go ahead, newlywed. Newlywed got a suggestion for us. Go ahead, newlywed. I'm listening. Just, just saying. Uh-huh. So the, 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 the newlywed touched on something that is important to mention because this is a big part of um, relationship. <laughs> I like to watch Chicago PD. <laughs> Chicago PD. You know, it's always a method to my madness. And so you're sitting there like, what does Chicago PD have to do with, with what he just said? So here's what Chicago PD has to do with what I just, what I'm getting ready to say, what Ethan just said. I was watching Chicago PD. And one of the characters, star character, had experienced a lot of things growing up in her life. <laughs> Every time I think about it, I can laugh. And so she's had relationships. Remember, characters in stories, in, in television and in movies, these are real things that they come up with. So it's not like, oh, this is Hollywood. They base things off of real situations. And so her character in the, in, 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 in the, in the show is that she's been through a lot of stuff in her life, went through a lot. And as she's growing up, you know, and had relationships, every time they get a certain way, she would just be out. Because all of her experience growing up, especially in her home, kind of messed with her psyche and how she handled relationships. So she finally 
have this guy in the show, her partner, and they got close, and now they kind of fell in love over a period of time. So the other day, they're laying in bed, pillow talking, and he said to her, I love you. She, she smiled, rolled out of the bed, didn't brush her teeth or nothing, put her clothes on, got in her car, and drove down the road, and then she got a case. She caught a case, a real case, because she's a policewoman, caught a case, and just started working the case. Because in her mind, when she heard the word love, she associated with abuse. Because she would get abused by her dad, and every time he abused her, the makeup was, honey, I'm so sorry, I love you. So I love you scares her. So she jumped out the bed and ran. So I'm saying, I took the long way, Ethan, to say this. That's true. Sometimes people don't know how to be in a relationship. Don't understand uh, the things that make them happy and, and how to treat someone else and how to respond to kindness and how to respond to goodness because of their situation. The good news was she recognized that about herself. And she had people in her life that told her, you're going to have to fix that. Because it's going to affect your job and it's going to affect your relationships as it already has done. So the best thing I can say is we have to be honest with understanding if we are challenged in understanding how to respond or how to be in a relationship. The worst thing you can do is act like you know how it's supposed to be in a relationship when you don't. Because when you do that, the other person is believing that what you're doing, you know what you're doing. But if you can be wise enough to say, let me share this with you. I've never had a real serious relationship in my life like this. And that's usually true probably for most marriage people, most married people. So it's okay to say that to your spouse. There's some things that make me uncomfortable and it probably shouldn't. But I need to get that part right. And so you need to discuss that. So back to what uh, the, the, the newlywed is saying, he actually has a point. That you have to sometimes figure out questions that you need to ask one another in order to understand. And you might need to ask questions about yourself. And, and, and as he said, there's follow up where you can have quiz questions that will lead you to what love language you really need. So that, that, that's very important. So I think um, conversation, that's another piece of homework there is you write down your love languages that uh, your, your acts of service your love languages but including your acts of service you write down the, the things that is that is meaningful to you that you feel like you need as you write those things down you might want to look at all five of them and say I, I, I don't know which ones are mine and, and and you might need to you know kind of figure that one out but we need to know what makes us tick it's like I mentioned last night at Bible study that Christians struggle with, with, with 
utilizing statistics. We, we ignore statistics because we want to make everything spiritual. But you have to keep statistics to know what you need to put focus on, what you need to improve, how you need to be better. If you don't keep track of statistics, you will never grow. If you don't keep track of statistics, you don't grow. Because how will you know if you grow? Well, I just feel better. I just feel different. I don't know. So you want to keep track of what your life is about, what you're doing, stuff we talked about earlier. What is the goal? We have to keep track of those things. Because how do you know? I'll tell you this, this thing that I love to do with my wife, because she is a woman, which means she's Mrs. Improvement. And I don't know if this is the reverse that we're living or it's just the way it is, but she look around and she want everything fixed. That might or should have been my job, Mr. Fix it. I don't know. But she look around and she want everything fixed. And every once in a while, I just let her talk. She want this fixed. She want that fixed. She want to do this. She want to do that. She want to do this. I love. I just smile in my mind. And then the other day, she gave me a, a few things. So I just stopped and said, "This cost seventeen thousand. This cost nine thousand. This cost ten thousand. This cost forty five hundred. And I'm running it down. I said, "Which one you want to start on first? Because I know where I'm going. I got to go. Heaven is the goal. Being in Christ and fulfilling my purpose is the goal. And so when we come to the material things, they're secondary to the spiritual things. The spiritual things, number one, then all the other stuff. So I'll take my time and do all this stuff that she's asking, but I just ask her, what's most, most important? She told me. So I'm going to work on her most important stuff. But I'm saying that just to say, so she don't feel frustrated. And so she don't feel like you're not doing something. You got to always know what, what's going on. So you're not all over the place and you can keep things unified. What's first? Because if one job costs 17000 we might be only doing that job this year. <laughs> right? And then next year we'll do the other job that might cost 10000 <laughs> You know, then the next year we'll do all the other jobs and we'll just go through it like that. Now, we can take one year where we can do about three jobs that cost 4500 apiece, you know, 35 45 We probably can do, so you can get three jobs for this or you can get one job for this. What do you want to do? That's my project management hat that I had to put on. Because if I didn't put that on, I'd be frustrated. Because I'm like, you're saying all this stuff. What are we going to do? I just gave her the prices. Anyone else? Question? Any, anything else, newlywed? You, you good? Shauna, you, you got to say something. You don't, want, you don't want the people to be thinking he be controlling you. 
let me let me start trouble. Let me start trouble. You know, because if you don't say nothing, they're going to be thinking Ethan be controlling her. She can't even talk. <laughs> so sometimes you just got to talk to let people know he's not controlling me. Sister Heidi, you got a question over there? Sam, you ain't got you can you can, you can say something. Y'all be worried about y'all go home. Well, let's talk about this, cause cause I ain't know you was thinking like that. <laughs> Woo! They get over. I didn't know you was thinking like that. Was there something there going on that you never let me know about? <laughs> you just go to sleep on her. <laughs> Mister Fix it. I'll fix that some other time. I'm going to sleep. <laughs> Barbara, you got a question? You don't have to be afraid of Joe. Say it. Yeah, I'll talk about that tomorrow a little bit. Tell him to stop jumping the gun. We'll talk, we'll, we'll talk about, tomorrow I'll talk to you about relationship killers and relationship builders. But we're not in tomorrow yet. We're still in tonight. <laughs> Janice, do you have anything? You don't have anything, Janice? I know Brother Henry ain't saying nothing. (laughs) Zero. Zilch. Zip it. You can say something, Brother Henry. You afraid of Sister Henry? You can say something, brother. Don't be afraid of Sister Henry. Sister Henry, Brother Henry, look, look, you can't see it. Her eyes this big looking at me. What are you doing, Brother Wayne? What are you doing? <laughs> Somebody got to mess with her, Brother Henry. Somebody, because nobody don't mess with her. Nobody, nobody messes with her. Well, I'm always going to mess with her. We family, go all the way back. I'm going to mess with Sister Henry, please. I, I laugh at Sister Henry every once in a while in my house. I can't tell her, but I can't tell her what I laugh about. But every once in a while, I bring up something, and and I said, Nicole, you remember this? <laughs> Only me and Nicole laugh about it, Sister I promise. But but you know, when you family, you do that. You you just remember some stuff back in the day. Say, you remember this? So we get a chuckle out of Sister Henry every once in a while. And Sister Henry can get funny. I mean, she is. <laughs> what's going on with this? What's going on with the newlyweds now? <laughs> Listen, Sister Henry starts saying some stuff, and you just be cracking up. Yes, yes, yes. Uh huh. Brother Jackson, you got any question? Okay. Well, I ain't worried about Brother Jackson. Brother Jackson, when when you get up to the age where Brother Jackson is, you say what you say, and you don't worry about it. That's the way it go. You're like, listen, I'm old enough to say whatever I want, and that's just the way it is. Yes, sir. Sister Kellyman, you good? Everybody good, huh? I'm going to start sneaking over people's houses and just be listening while they don't know I'm listening. <laughs> See if everybody really that good. Brother D, you good? You don't have any questions over there?
she well because she's not a morning person. Well, li- listen, you know what? Here's where she get credit, D. She get credit from the standpoint of before we even got to that point, we were talking about working out. And I was, you know, saying I work out, you know, on the days that I work out in the morning. And I said, what days you work out? And she told me her days. And, and she said, after work, I said, I could never work out after work. She said, you know, I'm not a morning person. So, so I already know that, yeah, she, she won't be here with you tomorrow morning. You know, I, I understand. Make sure when you leave and she get on the elliptical. Sister Sharon, you good back there? Nothing else? Nothing else? Sister Josephine, your mom cooked on Fridays, so I need to find out if you're okay over there. I was, yeah, listen, I was saying to her, I said, man, I, I can't think of any family that I knew about in Jamaica on a Friday evening that cooked. She said her mom did. I said, ooh, that's right. Your dad was a policeman. That's why I said that's the only reason why she cooked on Friday, because your dad was a policeman. She had to cook. You know, policemen back home, don't, they don't play. You better cook their food. Let me make sure they got everything. So, but Friday evening, man, that's tough. Tell your mom I feel bad for her. Friday evening. All right. If if this is what we got, and we get ready to close out, you, you sure you're good, Shauna? Cause y'all laughing, at y'all spitting on yourselves, you know, something like that. You, you good, Sister Jackson? You good? Man. Hey, that's a relationship killer. That's a relationship killer when you stop talking. No, we'll, 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 we'll deal with that tomorrow. We'll deal with that tomorrow. <laughs> See, I know how to stir it up. Right? <laughs> uh-huh. Yes. Trying to improve you. Mm. Mm-hmm. Yes, yes, yes. This, listen, this is a good place to um speak your mind. Oh, you want to speak your mind, Sister Josephine? Go ahead, speak your mind. No, 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 no. That's the problem with the church. We're trying to hide everything. No. We need to say it with our mouths. Understand this, everybody. If you continue to ignore something, it never gets fixed. I don't care how much you ignore it, how much you stop talking about it. It ain't fixed. So the bottom line is, maybe this is the platform that you, platform, you the millennial word, platform. Maybe this is the platform you need to just take the opportunity to just speak it. Get it off your chest finally. And it'll be all right. Because I'm telling you right now, if you can't say it right here, you ain't got no other place good to say it. Because as church, as a church family, if we want to keep it real, that might be your issue in your marriage, but I got an issue in my marriage. See, I'm always, this this is what, what makes me comfortable around people. I'm telling you, I wish I could transmit that to everybody that one of the things that make me very very comfortable around everybody is because i realize and i understand that you're no different from me man if we all walk around with that mindset i think we'll be all right 
and you won't have to bite your tongue and you want because you might say something and then everybody else walking around like not me. Okay, maybe this specifically is not you, but that's you. We all got issues because we're all in the flesh. And the quicker we become comfortable with just saying something, better off we'll be. And I'm not just telling you just say stuff just to say it. I am just saying don't let things control you because when you keep it in like that and you never say it, it controls you. And sometimes, let me throw this tidbit in, sometimes you're dealing with something because in your mind, you're saying, this will never change in my marriage. Here is a truth. Sometimes something will never change, but your perspective on it can change. And when your perspective changes, it's, it's not a burden like it used to be before your perspective changed. So sometimes you're not saying it because you expect, oh, whatever I say, you will give me something to change my situation. No, perspective will change on my behalf and I won't walk around with this weight. Because God don't always deliver us out of stuff. He goes through stuff with us. And what that does sometimes is to make us see God in a different light. And so sometimes what we're dealing with that we don't want to talk about. It's you don't want to talk about it because you're saying, what's the use? But I'm telling you, sometimes when you hear it. Being talked about in a different light. You might understand it differently and it may no longer have a stronghold in your life. So I think sometimes that's what happens sometimes when you talk It's not that we get a resolution for the problem no it just see make us start to take a different perspective on it see it differently and we no longer feel bound or loaded weighted down by it you just you just have a different perspective so yep all right we all good may the lord bless you and keep you May the Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you and give you peace.